Air America Radio News, I'm Mark Shearer. Civil war, that is the term that few Bush administration officials dare utter about the situation in Iraq. Today, two top generals came close to calling it that way, but stopped short. One of them, General John Abizade, saying, The sectarian violence is probably as bad as I've seen it in Baghdad in particular, and that if not stopped, it is possible that Iraq could could move towards civil war. He was testifying before the Senate Armed Services Committee. Committee member John McCain took the generals to task for moving troops around Iraq to curb violence in one area, only to see it pop up somewhere else. What I worry about is we're playing a game of whack-a-mole here. Uh, we move troops, uh, we, it flares up, we move troops there. After first declining a request to appear at this morning's hearing, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld changed his mind late yesterday, and he showed up. Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton of New York ripped him, telling Rumsfeld he was presiding over a failed policy in Iraq. Rumsfeld responded to her list of complaints by saying, my goodness, and then he restated administration positions. After the hearing, Senator Clinton called for Rumsfeld's resignation, the first time she has gone that far. President Bush is settling down on his ranch tonight for a 10-day summer vacation with violence uh, boiling up in the Middle East. His party's control of Congress up for grabs in the elections this fall. Bush is foregoing his typical month-long break from the White House, and instead he plans to stay 10 days in Crawford, Texas, before returning to work in Washington, his shortest summer vacation since taking office. Israel renewed airstrikes on Beirut's southern suburbs Thursday and on Beirut itself. And an Israeli missile killed three people in a border village a day after Hezbollah launched its biggest rocket barrage yet on the Jewish state. And hurricane researchers at Colorado State University said today that this year's hurricane season won't be as bad as earlier predicted and said a monster storm like Katrina is unlikely. Philip Klotzbach, lead forecaster for the hurricane research team, said the probability of another Katrina-like event is very small. The researchers reduced the number of likely hurricanes to seven from nine and then uh, the uh, number of intense hurricanes to three from five. I'm Mark Shearer, Air America Radio News.
good evening, Truth Seekers. Malloy here on Air America Radio. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, in a few minutes, Webster Tarpley, author of 9-11 Synthetic Terror Made in the USA, joins us to discuss uh, issues surrounding the, uh, the official story on uh, what occurred in this country on September 11th. Um, and uh, um, 2001, and I'm sure we'll get around to the uh, recent revelations in the press, in, uh, especially in Vanity Fair, that the Pentagon and the Bush administration lied through their fanged teeth about their response to the attacks on September 11th. And if they'll lie about part of it, of course they'll lie about all of it. We also have uh, Rumsferatu tonight. Nosferatu? Rumsfeld? We have Rumsferatu tonight as well. He was sparring with senators on the Armed Services Committee today, taking particular sport with uh, Hillary Clinton. You sound like you're in the New York deli about to order locks and bagels. I'm a vampire. You can't tell. So the vampire will be on the program tonight. Some of the sound from that hearing today. Did you watch any of that hearing today? Oh, period. My, period. God, period. While the two uh, heavily encrusted with metals generals sit there and tell the Senate committee and anyone who happened to be listening that the, the war is over. It's been over for quite some time. Uh, we lost. It's now a civil war. If our objective was to dethrone uh, Saddam, okay, uh, we, we, we won that part of it. As Bush said a couple of years ago, mission accomplished, or was it three years ago? We've now been involved in the shooting aspect of this war longer than we were in World War II. Longer than we were in our own civil war. I believe those numbers are correct. But to watch the two bemetaled generals with, with more silver on their, on their shoulders than I've ever seen in one room, I think between the two of them they had, what, 16 stars on their shoulders, right? To see those two generals explain... Mr. It's very clear the two-thirds... Excuse me. Something happened. Uh, uh, for, for, for those two generals to be sitting there explaining to anyone who, who cared to listen that this is... Uh, we've turned Iraq into a, a charnel house, an abattoir, a slaughter pit... I watched some of Tucker Carlson uh, tonight on MSNBC. Poor boy. I'm starting to feel sorry for Tucker Carlson. I swear to God I am. He had a former Bush uh, spokesperson on who insisted that everything's going well. And it's such macabre sort of fun to to watch a conservative like, like uh, Tucker. And he admitted tonight he's a conservative. Oh, there's a revelation. Uh, to watch his facial expressions when... When he says, when Tucker says things like, um, how is it that we're allowing another army, the, the, the Mahdi army in, uh, of, of uh, Shia in uh, Iraq, to, to develop, you know, uh, this, this uh, mullah has thousands of soldiers under his command now. And, of course, the Bush guy sits there and says, well, that's not true. <laughs> and to watch to watch Tucker Carlson's face when he's when Tucker Carlson says, you know, I say we get out. This is a civil no, it's not a civil war. Don't worry, Tucker. It was it was great fun. It was great sport to watch. Uh, of course, what they were talking about was the daily slaughter of men, women, and children 
in uh, in Iraq, uh, a slaughter that is directly the, res- uh, the the responsibility of George Bush and the neocons who put this together. And is it not coming clear now, huh? That the attack and the occupation of Iraq is just step one. What Israel is doing on the other end of the Middle East is step two. Uh, the next step is a full-scale attack on Syria and Iran. These people believe in complete, total war in the Middle East. Now, who's, who's driving this? Uh, Elliot Abrams, uh, the, the convicted criminal from uh, the Iran-Contra years, is the one that's keeping Condoleezza Rice on a tight leash. Rice is bouncing around the Middle East like a drop of water on a hot pancake griddle. She, she has about as much authority in all this as I do. Once again... The neocons, the American Zionists, are pushing this entire operation, and it's true. If you, if you you know don't take you know don't take my word for it. I know a lot of people are saying you know I used to like Malloy, but he's just become a total anti-Semite ever since uh, uh, this this attack in in the Middle East has occurred. I, I just don't like him anymore. I, I I can't understand why he's he's gotten this way. I. Well, I'll tell you what, go to informationclearinghouse.info and read Sidney Blumenthal, uh, Sidney Blumenthal's current column, The Neocons Next War. Yeah, Sidney Blumenthal, you know the Irish guy? Oh, that's right, Sidney Blumenthal is a self-hating Jew now, I guess. But if you read what Blumenthal has written, it's, it, everything is right on target the hell is about to be unleashed. Uh, if, if you think this is hell, uh, no, no. Now, if, if you read this article, or this, uh, this piece by Sid Blumenthal, you will come across something uh, entitled, A Clean Break. A Clean Break, colon, A New Strategy for Securing the Realm. Now, this was written in 1996. It's a neocon manifesto against the Middle East peace process. And as Blumenthal writes, his half-dozen authors included neocons highly influential with the Bush administration, Richard Pearl, who is the first-term chairman of the Defense Policy Board. You remember that murderous bastard. Douglas Spythe, former Undersecretary of Defense. David Wormser, Cheney's chief Middle East aide. The, uh, the, the, the paper... The manifesto was written at the request of incoming Likud Party Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and was intended to provide, quote, a new set of ideas, close quote, for jettisoning jettisoning (laughs) the policies of assassinated Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. Instead of trading land for peace, the neocons advocated tossing aside the Oslo Agreements that established negotiations and demanding unconditional Palestinian acceptance of Likud's terms. And it goes on. But the horrible part of it is that what, what a clean break, what it has in mind, is a, a war in the Middle East that doesn't stop until the United States and Israel has essentially secured control of the entire area. From Iran, and if you're going to say Iran, you might as well say Afghanistan. From Afghanistan all the way to the Mediterranean. Now, according to Blumenthal, what's going on right now, right now, is that the National Security Agency, 
is provided. Well, here's what it says. Inside the Bush administration, neocons on Vice President Dick Cheney's national security staff and Elliot Abrams, the neocon senior director for the Near East and the National Security Council, are prime movers behind sharing national security agency intelligence with Israel. Uh, what it goes on to say is that they're providing this information to Israel, which totally undermines uh, the shoe lady, Condi Rice, who, uh, as I said, has about as much authority and effect on what's happening in the Middle East as I do. Blumenthal says uh, Rice is said to have been briefed and to be on board, but she is not involved in pushing the covert neocon scenario. Her briefing appears to be an aspect of an internal struggle to intimidate and marginalize her. you got to read this. Informationclearinghouse.info. It's, it's, it's right there. You'll, you'll, you'll find it. It's uh, the one by Sidney Blumenthal, The Neocons Next War. You should read this and be afraid. Be very, very afraid of, of, of what these neocons have in mind for your son, your husband, your uncle, whoever's in the United States military. Uh, that's, that's the, uh, uh, sort of the, uh, the jingoistic part of it. The rest of it is what they have in store for the people of the Middle East. Uh, these guys are playing with the devil. Listening to the Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Who's there? Opportunity. Opportunity who? Opportunity knocking. What for? Your chance to win. Win what? Sony stuff. Who's with you? Sony Card. Sony Card who? Sony Card Weekly Cash-In. Cash-In? How much? A $500 Sony Card credit or a $599 Sony-style gift card every week. That's a lot of dough. Good for a lot of entertainment. Like movies and music? A digital camera? Go for it. But how? Every week, three lucky card members can win. Sounds like a great opportunity. But you got to act fast. Where do I apply? Online. What's the address? Go to SonyCardWin.com slash winner. Sounds easy. It is. It's Sony Card. Earning points towards Sony rewards with every use. Go to SonyCardWin.com slash winner. No purchase necessary. Offer ends 1230-106. Void where prohibited. Open only to U.S. residents 18 or older as of date of entry. Odds of winning depend on number of entries. For official rules and alternative method of entry, go to SonyCardWin.com. Sponsored by Sony Electronics, Inc. And remember, life's more entertaining with Sony Card.
liberal helping of truth? It's more of Mike Malloy. past the hour. So anyway, um, not to be flip or cavalier, because people are dying. People are being blown to pieces. Uh, Americans are dying. Israelis are dying. Lebanese are dying. Uh, various factions of, take your pick, liberators or terrorists are dying. Iraqis are dying. Uh, Afghans are dying. Uh, it, it's just, it's a bloodbath. Have you noticed that? Huh? Have you noticed it? The the blood that is being blown into uh, into the atmosphere from from Afghanistan all the way across to the Mediterranean as we as we're sitting here talking tonight. Can you believe this? I think I think most of us can't handle this in 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 its entirety. You know, we've 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 been forced to those of us who didn't already know how to seriously come. Uh, uh, compartmentalized have been forced to learn how to do it you know over here's iraq and 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 the iraq slaughter floats up to the uh to prominence in the uh minds telescreen and it stays there long enough to get the latest from cnn and and 20 children blown to pieces on a soccer field and and then that floats down and up comes uh an image of bombs falling in 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 haifa and and Beirut and threats uh, southern Beirut to the suburbs of Beirut and then the threats come up we're going to bomb Tel Aviv well we're going to bomb Beirut and then that floats down and then up comes uh, uh, Syria's Assad uh, talking to his his military to put them on and then that floats down and up comes this uh, uh, president of Iran. Uh, saying, no, no, we're going to go ahead and continue developing nuclear capability. I mean, it's just, Jesus, God. But if you allow it all, all at one time, to float up into your conscious mind, um, you, might, you might wind up like me. My head hurts. I think everything about me hurts right now. I, I, you know, my shoulders hurt. My elbows hurt. I, I start thinking, oh, my God, you've got uh, arthritis. And my doctor looks at me and says, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. You're, you're as healthy as Bush. <laughs> but everything hurts. Everything hurts, Jim. But there's nothing wrong. Okay. Can I have some Valium? No. But everything hurts. You're thinking too much. Get out of radio. Get out of it. Is that happening to you? Uh, I mean, are, are you having a problem, Truth Seeker, with, uh, with, with just trying to uh, keep everything separate? And, and it's not separate. This whole thing was planned in the 90s. And that's not the, the ravings of, of, you know, some weird tinfoil hat wearing freak on uh, uh, on shortwave radio not that there's anything wrong with shortwave radio I love it but it sounds like one of those fundamentalist survivalist Armageddon uh, rapture preachers talking 
I thought all of this was laid out and planned. But again, just go look at the documents. Jesus, they're there. Go to Sidney Blumenthal's uh, uh, article in, uh, uh, well, he writes for, uh, well, he writes for a lot of people, but this one is at informationclearinghouse.info. I'm sure they picked it up from another source. Just read it. The, the 1996 clean break document. Just read it. So I don't know. Is Sid Blumenthal a, a tinfoil hat wearing a nutcase now? Who's going to start labeling him a self-hating Jew or an enemy of Israel? It's Sid Blumenthal, for Christ's sake. It's, uh, it's getting scary, truth seekers. For those of you in Pennsylvania, the Carpetbagger Report has some bad news for you. It says here, we learned on Tuesday that Carl Romanelli, the Green Party candidate running in the Rick Santorum, Bob Casey Senate race in Pennsylvania, acknowledged, the Green Party candidate, Carl Romanelli, acknowledged that Republican contributors supplied most of his campaign's financial support. As it turns out, the Carpetbagger Report says that's an understatement. Every, according to Carpetbagger Report, every single contributor to the Pennsylvania Green Party Senate candidate is actually a conservative, except for the con- candidate himself. And then it goes on to say the Luzerne County Green Party raised $66,000 in the month of June in order to fund a voter signature drive. The Philadelphia Inquirer reported yesterday that 40000 of that came from supporters of Rick Santorum's campaign. Also, uh, Carpetbagger confirmed yesterday that another 15000 came from Republican donors and conservatives. Uh, only three contributions totaling 11 grand remained as possible legitimate uh, donations. But in checking further, they found out that those were from Republicans, too. One of Romanelli's more generous contributions came from a Halliburton loyalist or lobbyist. How much, the only non-Republican donation Romanelli received was a $30 contribution that Romanelli gave himself. All right? So if you're going to vote green in the Senate race in, in Philadelphia... Say congratulations to Rick Santorum for another term. This is the Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Will Israel ever see an end to violence? How will the war against Iraq's insurgents impact Israel? Will changes on the Supreme Court have any effect on the Jewish community? Is anti-Semitism in Europe on the rise? What can be done about it? For a look behind the headlines, read the foreword, the nation's Jewish newspaper. The foreword reveals the personalities, motivations, and histories that are fueling the news abroad. The foreword also provides an in-depth look at issues affecting us at home, with comprehensive reports on everything from politics and religion to culture and the arts. It even has its own matchmaking section for Jewish singles. Try four weeks free, then be billed $24.95 for another 26 issues. Not satisfied? Just write cancel on the bill and keep the first four issues free. Call now, 800-858-5800 for the forward. That's 800-858-5800. The walls close in. The air grows thin. 
an unspeakable crime unfolds as a new victim learns that it is possible to be scared to death. Faithless, the chilling new novel by Karen Slaughter. When Grand County Coroner Sarah Linton discovers a young woman's body, she vows to unmask a killer who preys on both body and soul. Read Faithless by best-selling author Karen Slaughter. Now a dull paperback. Don't let a stiff neck or an aching back or even arthritis keep you from being active. Go out and get the Salon Paws patch. Salon Paws medicated patches provide fast and sustained relief to aching muscles and joints. Simply apply the Salon Paws patch where it hurts and enjoy hours of soothing relief. No fuss, no mess, just lasting relief. So don't let muscle pain slow you down. Be more active with the Salon Paws patch. Salon Paws is available at major chain drugstores and pharmacies.
everything I've seen, I do not believe anyone could have prevented the horror of September the 11th. When no one gives a damn about the future of children, just building the cash flow, making a bank account, let us expose the truth. Is that what the war's about? Because I don't understand, but what kind of a man should have to sacrifice his life for an area? Welcome back, 26 uh, before the hour. All right, uh, I think Webster is uh, checking in with us. Uh, Webster Tarpley, welcome to the program. Is he there? Webster? Yes, I'm here, Mike. Oh, Thank you very you much. Okay, well, um, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, I've been looking forward to uh, having you on for some time, and uh, a lot of folks who uh, are very familiar with your work, uh, more familiar than I, uh, have been sending me emails all day saying, Oh, God, thank heavens you got Webster Tarpley on. How are you this evening? Uh, I'm fine. It's a very exciting time. Uh, if, if we look at the tremendous castle of lies and falsifications that the U.S. government and the Kane hamilton Zelikow 9-11 Commission built up around the crimes of 9-11, we see that that is all collapsing. It is collapsing before our eyes day by day. We're, we're just coming off, as I think you know, we've had on C-SPAN four times mm-hmm. the American Scholars Symposium, right, sponsored by Alex Jones in Los Angeles at the end of June, and now we have these two fascinating things that I hope we can talk about. The, the Vanity Fair article with more from these tapes from NORAD and Needs. Yeah, I have that in front of me, even as we speak. Yeah. And then yesterday, coming, uh, I found it right on my doorstep here, uh, the Washington Post, right. that uh, the Pentagon generals lied, committed perjury to the extent that they were under oath at all, which we'd have to look into because I think at the beginning they weren't. But they, the Pentagon officials committed blatant perjury to the Kane hamilton Zelikow Commission. And of course, Kane hamilton said, well, what's a little bit of perjury among fellow members of the ruling class. So we're now in a position to say the official 9-11 commission is a tissue of lies. It's totally discredited. It hasn't got a leg to stand on. And this is very relevant right now because we're in in the first stage of World War III. And every time that Bush opens his mouth or Blair or Cheney or Rumsfeld, it's all predicated on their 9-11 story. So now mm-hmm. we find that there are a lot of facts in their 9-11 story that are completely false. How about some other facts? I bet, and I'm sure that there are more facts in their story that will turn out to be false. So why don't we tell them to stick their World War III somewhere for a while? You know, that's a good idea. I, I tell you, Webster, talk about some of the actual events uh, of, of, of that day. Do, do, for example, do you believe it was a coincidence uh, that there were war games planned for that day. Uh, could, was that the cover story? Could, could any of America's enemies have known about it? Talk about the events of that day I, for I think a you have to look at it from a somewhat different point of view. You're dealing, first of all, with a military coup by an invisible government or rogue network faction inside the U.S. command structure. It is a U.S. operation from beginning to end with some help, perhaps from the British, the Patsies, the, the Saudis or whoever they are, and there's no proof putting any of them anywhere in it, uh, those are simply Patsies. Those are psychotic double agents doing their walk-on parts, and, and they're there mainly to, to take the fall. Uh, the thing that we have to look at is that we have more than 15 drills. According to my research, 9-11 has the greatest density of military drills of any day in the history of the United States. And it's also, I think, extremely important to see that every aspect, the crashing of the buildings, right, the planes crashing into the buildings, mm-hmm. the collapse of the buildings, the unidentified flying object hitting the Pentagon, even the crash in Shanksville and the role of the first responders there, all of this is covered by, prepared by, 
drills. So my conclusion is, having looked at these things, right, if you look at the Kennedy assassination, most people will tell you that there was Operation Mongoose. It was allegedly to kill Castro, but it was the way that the CIA operations directorate actually bootlegged and conduited the killing of Kennedy under that aegis. And in this case, my finding is that the actual events that you saw on 9-11, huge, spectacular war provocation-type terrorism, had to be uh, conducted using government resources, using the actual resources of the U.S. government. And the way that you can do that is to conduct it under the cover of drills. In other words, you design a drill mm-hmm. that looks very much like the terrorist uh, event that you're trying to bring about, and then you flip it live. And flipping it live simply means small changes that change it from being a harmless drill, legally sanctioned, into an actual coup d'etat designed to put us on the, on the uh, war of civilizations track towards World War III, where everybody now can see where this has led five years after the fact. Now, what is, what is, the, uh, what is the objective of, of starting World War III? Is it population reduction? What, what is it? It certainly includes that. But the, the basic idea is that we're, we're looking at the death agony of the U.S. dollar. We're looking at the danger of the collapse of U.S.-British world domination, and, and all of this uh, reflects itself in an increasing psychosis and flight forward and, and um, catastrophic sort of twilight of the gods mood among the, the financiers, especially in, in London uh, and in New York. So their idea is, first of all, to mobilize the U.S. against the Arab and Islamic world, first of all, as Samuel Huntington pointed out in his famous book on the clash of civilizations, because of their demographic growth, then against China because of their population growth, but really their economic growth, and then, of course, always against Russia because of their military power. Now, the neocons um, are prone to uh, disaster by miscalculation. We see this again and again. We can see Afghanistan, right? Afghanistan is descending mm-hmm. into chaos. Guerrilla warfare is back. In Iraq, we've just had the leading generals today tell us that there is a civil war. After all, and of course, in Lebanon, the Israeli militarists with their vaunted machine are gaping at their own military defeat. I guess this is a certain kind of, of strategic stupidity that's a common property of the, of the neocon faction. Uh, when a neocon thinks about thermonuclear confrontation, he always imagines that the other side will back down. Mm-hmm. And maybe they won't. And in well, some cases, uh, they don't. There, there was a very interesting... Um, um, Op-ed piece in the New York Times today by Robert Pape, titled Ground to a Halt, uh, about how Israel has uh, kind of committed itself to a situation that carries with it the possibility of destroying Israel. Uh, and and if, you, if, if one can read that column today, it's, it's pretty chilling. But let, let, me, let me go back. I, to I would certainly agree that the, not only the Israeli leadership, and these, these are now the same, because we've had this Beaver Creek, Colorado meeting of the American Enterprise Institute with Cheney on the one side, but Netanyahu and Sharansky on the other, saying let's have the invasion of Lebanon, and Cheney, of course, is all for it because of his own reason. So this clique is leading the United States, Britain, and Israel into an absolute catastrophe. And the only political lever you have to stop that is an explosion of really powerful revelations of 9-11 truth, because that is the only Mm -hmm. issue that will roll up the invisible government types, the neocons, and ultimately reach towards the financiers that uh, that dominate both. All right, let me ask you uh, two questions here. Uh, And and by the way, before I get into it, 
Uh, if uh, for the listeners, if you want to ask uh, uh, Webster a question, the number is eight six six three zero three twenty two seventy. We're going to try to take some phone calls tonight. Uh, but I've got two que- a two part question for you. I've had a lot of people email me wanting uh, me to ask you about the collapse of Building Seven and the, those stock put orders that just seems to have floated off that that whole aspect just floated off into the uh, into the infinite. So those two Building Seven's collapse and the stock put orders. Yeah, sure. The, the Building 7, of course, is this, this building of almost 60 right. stories. In most cities, it would be the largest uh, building in town in most places in the world. So it collapses at 5.30 in the afternoon, never hit by a plane, no significant fire, and it collapses in a, in a typical um, controlled demolition mode. However, we've also got molten metal pools found in the, in the basement, and we've also got the very suspicious testimony of this guy Silverstein, the owner, saying that he had deliberated with the fire department to pull it which would mean carry out controlled demolition. So this obviously stinks to high heaven. The, the uh, report from the government that was supposed to treat that is the NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, and they simply dodged it. They have nothing to say about it. Concerning the stock options, this is yet another uh, Achilles heel of the Kane hamilton Zelikow official report. They say, oh, yeah, we looked into those people who were selling short. Uh, they were selling these uh, uh, short options on United Airlines and American Airlines, and we found that they were not connected to Al-Qaeda in any way. <laughs> That's known as begging the question. Uh, the question is not are they connected to Al-Qaeda. The, connection is, the question is do they have a connection to the faction in the invisible government, let's say the, the CIA with somebody like Buzzy Krongard who gets into the act, uh, and, and that would be the question to ask. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the 9-11 Commission simply dodge it. It is in their report. And they say, not linked to al-Qaeda and therefore of no further interest. See, that's what happens when you start with what you're supposed to prove and then take it from there. Right, exactly. What, what about one of the questions I've had, that I, I, and, and let me make myself clear. Uh, 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 do you go by Webster? May I call you Webster? Yeah, sure, Webster, Web. Web, all right. Web, to make it real clear, I do not accept the official story of the attack on this country on September 11th. I do not accept it from top to bottom. But I haven't formed any conclusion of my own yet, like a lot of people in the 9-11 Truth Movement have, including apparently you. I'm still open to that, but I reject entirely the official story. But one of the questions I had... Let me ask it. We've got to take a break. We'll come back and get your answer. What happened to all the bodies, the, the, the people on these airplanes, uh, whether it was the plane that crashed in, in Pennsylvania uh, or the one that hit the Pentagon, supposedly, uh, or, or the, the, the remains of the two, uh, from the people who were on the two planes that hit the trade towers? That, that's, uh, let's get that question when we come back, because that's just been bugging the hell out of me. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Our guest is Webster Tarpley. If you want to get in... Uh, uh, a question, 866-303-2270. I'm Mike Malloy on Air America. The Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Are you losing your hair? Fight back with Abacor. 
now with Boost, which gives you visibly thicker hair with a first application. I'm 20 years old and I've been losing my hair for three years. I started using Avacor and my hair stopped falling out. It's working. Well, I'm 72 years old and I can tell you honestly, I have a fuller, healthier head of hair now than I did when I was 18 years old. Avacor really worked. Whether you're 20, 72, or any age in between, Avacor works. And Avacor with Boost will improve your hair's appearance the same day you receive your order. Call now and you can get three months of Avacor free with your order. Plus a free gift from Avacor's hair care line of products. Call 1-800-884-6270. That's 1-800-884-6270. This is a limited time offer, so call right now. 1-800-884-6270. That's 1-800-884-6270.
country is, is certainly different from what it was on September the 10th, but I find the mood of the country to be incredibly refreshing. Yeah, well, that's because you're a psychopath. We're talking with Webster Tarpley. You know who he is. Um, all right, let's get back uh, to, to if, if you have an answer for that, Webster. What, uh, Mike, what I, I think one way to look at this is you've got to look at it in a somewhat larger context. I mean, a short answer could be that one of those planes landed at Cleveland and the people from the so-called Pentagon plane got out there. But let's look at the Vanity Fair because this is now okay. fresh empirical material. Here are some quotes. These guys, this, we're now in the needs. We're in the, in the Northeast Air Defense Command uh, in Rome, New York. So they ask, they ask themselves, is this real world or exercise? One guy says, the exercise started early. The hijack is not supposed to happen for another hour. Another guy says, I've never seen so much real world stuff in an exercise. Again, let's put the exercise on hold. Ha, ha, ha. I think this is a damned input referring to a fake radar blip on his screen. And then we get the question of the phantom American Airlines Flight 11. And we know my book uh, argues that there were two American 11. So which one had the people on it, which had fewer, which had more? None of this is given to know. What I think, if you look at the Vanity Fair, I think the, the book that comes out of this best is mine in the sense that this whole thing is a massive vindication of the pervasive presence of these drills to the point where you have, according to some accounts, 29 planes reported hijacked, and that's a deliberate result of drills like Vigilant Guardian, Northern Guardian, Vigilant Warrior, Northern Vigilance, Amalgam Warrior, all of which include taking planes away from the Boston to Washington corridor, sending them to Alaska, Canada, Iceland, or the no-fly zone of northern Iraq. It didn't start with Katrina, but already resources that were needed here had been, had been sent away. So all of those drills increase the number of targets, so to speak, by adding the fake blips, and of course by having mm -hmm. civilian and military airplanes flying around saying, I am such and such a flight, I am hijacked, having multiple flights, again with American 11, you have this, uh, so that you, you get the paralysis of air defense, but then also, as you can see in this account, you've got the moles, right? It takes mm -hmm. moles, patsies, and, and professional killers to do this. Colonel Marr at Needs is, is asked, scramble some fighters from Langley Air Force Base. Now, we know from my research, Langley Air Force Base is down to one-third of its usual strength because of all of these diversions. Colonel Marr says he refuses to scramble fighters from Langley because he's afraid that they're going to run out of gas at the wrong time. Now, this is somebody who ought to be on his way to a, uh, a hearing. We also have General Arnold, who... Uh, basically lied to the commission about when he got the news about these these flights. And people who have studied this stuff know that there was a big fixing and cooking of the timelines and the chronologies between what the Air Force had told the public from 01 to 03 or 04, and then finally what came out uh, two years ago now in the last, uh, uh, actually the final report of the Kane hamilton Zelikow Commission. Uh, so you have this absolutely chaotic situation which is caused by the drills and within it you can see a mole faction which is acting actively to suppress air defense now that's not the only part of it because the other part we have to add in they all say oh nobody thought that uh, we were going to have planes crashing into buildings well the national reconnaissance office in chantilly virginia that moment that morning was having a drill which involved crashing an airplane into a large 
office tower. Mm -hmm. So there it is. Uh, the prima facie assumption has to be that the crashing of the planes into a tower was done under the supervision of this National Reconnaissance uh, Office out here in, in Chantilly, which is, of course, the one that controls all the satellites. So okay. they don't need radar. They can see it all. All right. I want to come back to that. But, but I've got to ask you, uh, uh, this, is, this is a stupid, well, there's no stupid questions. This is an innocent question. Given all this, why didn't the, uh, the commissioners, the 9-11 commissioners, uh, refer these people to the Justice Department for criminal investigation? If the lies are so obvious. You can read in my book, 9-11 Synthetic Terror, there's a whole literature about the conflict of interest of these people. Look at Governor Kane. Uh, that guy is a top official of the National Endowment for Democracy, which is practically the privatized CIA as it has existed in, in the past uh, 20 or, or 25 years. I mean, that's a top intelligence operative, Governor Kane, a blue blood operative, a member of the ruling class. Then we've got Lee Hamilton, who is now 0 for 6, 0 for 7. He, he, he's part of the uh, Iran-Contra Commission, covered that one up for Bush and, and Ali North and, and, uh, and the rest of them, and he's gone mm -hmm. on. These people are functionaries of the invisible government. They so, are, they, so, they, so they're consciously a part of... Uh, this 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 entire event and 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 its ripple effect. These Absolutely. guys. These these are functionaries of a private network. And when we say moles, it means that what you see looks like a government official or somebody who's serving on this commission, but he's actually marching to the beat of a private financier, intelligence, military network. And that network, by the way, has been around for more than a hundred years. It goes back to when Grover Cleveland capitulated to J. P. Morgan. It goes back to the blowing up of the Maine in Havana Harbor to start the Spanish-American War, to found the empire, the killing of McKinley to bring in the mental deficient Theodore Roosevelt to have more imperialism, and finally when Morgan goes to, to Woodrow Wilson and says it's time to intervene in World War I, it's the same group that tried to kill Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1933, tried to organize a fascist march on Washington in 1933, and then we get more recently the Bay of Pigs, the Kennedy assassination, the Gulf of Tonkin, Iran-Contra gun-running and drug-running. It's them. It's that continuity. That's what you saw act acting on 9-11. And, not, and, not a bunch of, of people in a cave. And, and Newt Gingrich. All right, uh, hold on, all right? Uh, we, we have to take the top of the hour break here, uh, Webb. So uh, uh, th this is when we all go to the bathroom if we have to. We'll come back right after the break. All right, you going to stick around? Absolutely, open-ended. All right. Webster Tarpley's our guest. We're going to get your phone calls in uh, as we go here, so stay with us. I'm Mike Malloy on Air America. all day, Dr. Phil, and okay, fine, I guess I'm sort of a homebody, so I feel like it's really never going to happen for me. Look, love is not like the pizza man. Hi, I'm going door to door looking for a life partner. Not going to happen. Dr. Phil is now on Match.com. His insights inspire millions every day and help them find love. Now with our free starter kit, you can see if we're right for you. Visit Match.com, the number one site for love. Okay, the question before the court is this. Who exactly eliminated the middleman? 
All right, we'll come clean. Geico is guilty as charged. Yes, we did away with him, and we do it again. After all, when Geico gives you the same great service as the other guys and could save you hundreds on your car insurance, getting rid of the middleman isn't really a crime. It's more of a public service. Go to Geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. 15 minutes could save you 15%. America Radio News, I'm Mark Shearer. Civil war, that is the term that few Bush administration officials dare utter about the situation in Iraq. Today, two top generals came close to calling it that way, but stopped short. One of them, General John Abizade, saying, The sectarian violence is probably as bad as I've seen it in Baghdad in particular, and that if not stopped, it is possible that Iraq could could move towards civil war. He was testifying before the Senate Armed Services Committee. Committee member John McCain took the generals to task for moving troops around Iraq to curb violence in one area, only to see it pop up somewhere else. What I worry about is we're playing a game of whack-a-mole here. Uh, we move troops, from, we, it flares up, we move troops there. After first declining a request to appear at this morning's hearing, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld changed his mind late yesterday, and he showed up. Senator Hillary Rodham Clinton of New York ripped him, telling Rumsfeld he was presiding over a failed policy in Iraq. Rumsfeld responded to her list of complaints by saying, my goodness, and then he restated administration positions. After the hearing, Senator Clinton called for Rumsfeld's resignation, the first time she has gone that far. President Bush is settling down on his ranch tonight for a 10-day summer vacation with violence uh, boiling up in the Middle East. His party's control of Congress up for grabs in the elections this fall. Bush is foregoing his typical month-long break from the White House, and instead he plans to stay 10 days in Crawford, Texas, before returning to work in Washington, his shortest summer vacation since taking office. Israel renewed airstrikes on Beirut's southern suburbs Thursday and on Beirut itself. And an Israeli missile killed three people in a border village a day after Hezbollah launched its biggest rocket barrage yet on the Jewish state. And hurricane researchers at Colorado State University said today that this year's hurricane season won't be as bad as earlier predicted and said a monster storm like Katrina is unlikely. Philip Klotzbach, lead forecaster for the hurricane research team, said the probability of another Katrina-like event is very small. The researchers reduced the number of likely hurricanes to seven from nine and then the, uh, the uh, number of intense hurricanes to three 
from 5. I'm Mark Shearer, Air America Radio News.
Welcome back. It's uh, about seven past the hour. We're talking with uh, one of the nine one one truth seekers, Webster Tarpley, who uh, most of you are very familiar with. Um, Webster, if if you don't mind, are backing up just a tiny bit here. Sure. Um, can you give your skeptics a little bit of information on your background, why you're considered an expert on September 11th? Well, I, I guess I go back to uh, 1978 in these matters. I was asked by a member of the Italian government to do a study of the kidnap and murder of Aldo Moro, the former prime minister of Italy. Who the Biter-Meinhof gang? Uh, well, the Italian Red Brigades in this case. Ah. Uh, but it's the same difference. Both are arms of NATO intelligence, that is, of U.S.-British intelligence in Italy. Um, this was after the former prime minister had been kidnapped and murdered, his body found in, a, in the trunk of a car about two blocks from where I was working in downtown Rome at the time. So I did a study with some friends. Uh, we worked all summer, put it out that September, and our finding was that this was NATO intelligence. Um, Moro's widow later said that she had been threatened by a top U.S. official. Some have speculated that that was Kissinger. I can't be 100% sure, but... Uh, it may well be. Uh, and later on, of course, we had all of these these revelations about uh, the P-2 Lodge and the Bobo Gladio, which was NATO intelligence. These were arms deposits and teams of terrorists who were supposed to be a stay-behind network to fight the Soviets if they rolled in. But some of them decided that they would fight the communists even before. You know, a Russian, a Russian friend of mine asked me to ask you about Gladio. Gladio was set up by General Lyman Lemnitzer. If we know the Northwoods yes. documents from the Pentagon, the Northwoods proposal is to kill people, set off bombs, have planes right. explode and so forth. Blame it on Cuba. Be Cuba to mm -hmm. get a war with Cuba. This was also the basis then really of the Gulf of Tonkin about, about two years later. But um, uh, in, in the meantime, uh, Lemnitzer then went over and became the NATO commander around 1964. And according to most of what you can find out, the Gladio groups, that is, these, these uh, uh, deposits or caches of arms, explosives, and then terrorist teams uh, uh, assembled around them went into existence at around that time. So we have to think that Lemnitzer went from Northwoods to actually putting this into practice, and they began by 67, 68. They were already killing people. Uh, and then we have to figure in, factor in the P2 Lodge. Now, nothing about Gladio or the P2 Lodge was known when I wrote that study. So I think that has been ultimately vindicated, as well as by these revelations from Morrow's widow. The other one is 1992, the unauthorized biography of George Bush. Uh, this you can read online for free at my website, tarpley.net. It's the oldest continuous anti-Bush uh, website in the world, I believe. It. By October, it will be 10 years. This is the one that people know. Prescott Bush, the grandfather of the current tenant of the White House, uh, mm -hmm. helped to finance Hitler's seizure of power, uh, or things like uh, Neil Bush was meeting with the elder brother of Scott Hinckley uh, just before Scott Hinckley, uh, I'm sorry, uh, John Hinckley Jr. He was meeting with yeah. Scott. John Hinckley Jr. went out and tried to kill President Reagan, so we had a, a somewhat touchy situation there that should have been the subject of a special prosecutor but was simply swept under the rug in the usual invisible government uh, manner. So I think I have significant background. Out of, out of the writers on 9-11, I think I'm probably the one that's devoted more sustained attention to the question of secret intelligence agencies and their tremendous impact on the modern world because you have to think uh, 
if the CIA gets $50 billion a year, the FBI, something similar, uh, they don't spend this uh, simply on uh, salaries for analysts. They go out and do things that are operative. So they're attempting to control the nature of reality. They t they're attempting to over-determine reality, in my phrase, uh, according to what they want. Of course, they then get uh, uh, explosions and blowback and unintended consequences, and that's pretty, pretty much where we are now. Can you, uh, before I go to some calls here, uh, can, can you address how the NORAD tapes can uh, specifically cause uh, the official story to unravel. What, is it, what does it have to do with timing? Well, I, I think right now we've probably got a faction in the ruling class. Let's call them the we-don't-want-to-die faction or the moderate imperialist faction. They're horrified by the, by the raging, raving insanity of the neocon warmonger group. They see that the Democratic Party is practically useless. They're voting blank checks for the Israeli aggressors every time they, they turn around. They're attempting to, to uh, outdo Bush in, in their desire to attack Iran. Uh, if we attack Iran and or Syria, that's the Third World War, mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to be killing Russians. There's a, there's a Russian naval facility in Syria, on the coast, in Tartus. There may by now be surface-to-air missiles of Russia inside Syria. Inside Iran, you've got Russians building the reactors that they would blow up with atomic bombs, and you've also got Chinese in the oil fields because this is the big oil supplier. So you would then be on a slide towards World War III, and I think there's a ruling class faction that says we're losing in Afghanistan, we're losing in Iraq, we're losing in Lebanon. If we start World War III under these conditions, we will lose it, and I think that's pretty much what those generals unless Unless we use uh, so-called tactical nuclear weapons. Even that won't save you. It, it, there is no military solution. The, the problem of the U.S. and the British is it's political, and it's also got to do with the death agony of the dollar, the fact that the dollar is essentially right, right, right. a bankrupt what, currency. Right, but what I meant was that's the mindset of some of these evil yes, bastards. That is, that is the psychotic flight forward that we have. Exactly. The only way you stop that, I'm afraid just protesting against these wars will not do it. You've got to have the 9-11 flank. This is one of the arguments I've been having with all the gatekeepers, right, with the, the mm -hmm. left gatekeepers in particular, the Noam Chomskys, the Michael Moores, the Amy Goodmans, that if you don't have 9-11 as your leading edge, you fail. If you want to impeach Bush Cheney, you can do it. Make misprision of treason, 9-11 crimes, the first item in the bill of impeachment. If you do this, you can reach the 35 to 40 percent of Americans who are literally scared out of their wits and have bought into this story, bin Laden, the cave, Al-Qaeda, they hate us, they hate our freedom, they want to kill us. You've got to break that. You've got to say, look, those attacks did not come from bin Laden and the cave and the laptop. They came from the bowels of the CIA, the DIA, the Pentagon, the National Security Agency, the don't National forget, Security Don't forget Council. PNAC. Don't forget PNAC. And PNAC, although these, these are actually just propagandists. These are simply scribblers who take the ideas of people like uh, Samuel Huntington or, or the Wolfowitz Stockton and transform that into, into their... Uh, into policy. Pros. Right. All right, listen, uh, uh, Webb, I want to get some calls in, all right? Let's Fire go. away. You and I could sit here and talk all night, but uh, I want to get some of the folks. Uh, let's start with Mark, who's calling from Siesta Key, Florida. Mark, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Mike, and thank you for bringing this to the forefront. And Webster, thank you for your work on uh, Poppy Bush and on 9-11. Thank you. Um, I've done a lot of research. I did the 9-11 timeline and the stand-down. My country right or wrong, I've been on this since 9-11 happened, uh, the day it happened. I knew, of course, at 9:38 when the Pentagon got hit by whatever got hit in A3 or whatever, I knew right then there was an inside job. Um, 
I just wanted to bring out that you brought up a very good point. Uh, at 9.59, uh, Bush leaves on Air Force One out of Sarasota, bringing it to the National Airport where I live down here on Siesta Key, Sarasota. And he leaves, and, and what I wrote in Stand Down is that there are seven Air Force bases on full strip alert, uh, meaning two fighters on full alert being up in six minutes' time, and two of them are in Florida. 185 miles away in Homestead and about another uh, up in Towndale in the Panhandle, about 235 miles away from uh, Sarasota here. And no, nobody was here at 9.59 a.m. when Air Force One is taking off. I have the video. I spoke to the reporters uh, from Sarasota, Brigginson, uh, uh, Herald, uh, and nobody, no, no extra military protection was there to take off. And now you brought up another point, uh, which is very pertinent. Wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Why is that important? Why is that important? Well, you have... You have you have uh, now we're under uh, some kind of attack, and you have Air Force One taking off at 9:59 a.m. out of Sarasota with no extra military protection. When the, there are two of the seven Air Force uh, stations that are on full strip alert to protect the continental United States that day. Right, but I just they, wanted, and not I, one of them got off, off the ground yeah. to protect him. Yeah, now, I wanted, the, the, but I wanted, but I wanted you to make that point, Mark. Right. Okay. Now, what else is important is what Webster has brought up, which is um, that I brought up also, which is Angel. The, the code word, Harry Fleischer that day, brings out Angel, uh, and that, here they put, put up his, his thing, and I'd like to, uh, uh, Wes to just go into the explaining about the Angel and how they got that. Okay, let's... And, let's and just one other thing. We're quick, going to quick, get quick. hit again on September 9th. I all right, all right. We're going to be hit again. All right, I, I got to leave it there, and... Uh, uh, Webster, we got to take a break here. Okay. We'll, we'll come Angel back. is next when we come back. Yeah, we'll come back and address that question. And I'm going to ask the callers on hold uh, in order to get as many folks in here uh, as we can before Webb has to go. Uh, try to cut back a bit on the rhetoric. I, 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 I don't mean that nasty. I, I know everybody's got something to say, but let's try to let's try to use Webster Tarpley's knowledge of this uh, uh, and ask the question as quickly as you can. Uh, so we can get to an answer. We'll be right back. I'm Mike Malloy. I see you read the fit each and every session now. Cause America's been took. It's plain to see the old trick in the book. You're listening to the Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Hello? Opportunity calling. I thought you knocked. That's a cliche. What do you have? An opportunity to win. What's it called? Sony card wish it win it. So first I wish? And then you have a chance to win. Win what? $10,000 worth of Sony entertainment. That's huge. That's Sony card wish it win it. What do I do now? Go to sonycardwin.com slash experience to create your personal wish list. I wish for Sony electronics, CDs, DVDs, and games. Go now. Can't wait. There's a Sony card winner each month. So there's a chance? That you'll be the one. To wish and then win? That's why it's called Wish, wish it, it, Win It, it from, from Sony, Sony card. card. The card that earns points towards Sony rewards with every use. Go to SonyCardWin.com slash experience. No purchase necessary. Offer ends 1231.06. Void where prohibited. Open only to U.S. residents 18 or older as of date of entry. Odds of winning depend on number of entries. For official rules and alternative method of entry, go to SonyCardWin.com. Sponsored by Sony Electronics, Inc. And remember, life's more entertaining with Sony Card.
uh, I had, was sitting outside uh, the, the, the classroom waiting to go in, and I saw an airplane hit the tower of a, of a TV. You know, the TV was obviously on, and I, I used to fly myself, and I said, well, there's one terrible pilot. I was sitting in the classroom, and Andy Card, my chief of staff, was sitting over here, walked in and said, a second plane has hit the tower. America's under attack. Now, Webb, if, if, if Bush, of course, Bush is a psychopath uh, and, and totally crazy, but if what he just said was true, well, it couldn't be true. I don't think it's true. I think he has a mind like a rag bag. I don't think the invisible government is going to set up a special TV monitor for the <laughs> likes of this little fellow. No. Bush, Bush on 9-11 is a very expendable puppet, and if he makes it through the day, it's going to be because he capitulates, services rendered, uh, the, in the morning, according to some research, the, the Longboat Key local paper, there, there is something that looks like a kind of half-hearted assassination attempt against Bush. When he takes off, as has been pointed out, Air Force One has no fighter escort. The, the Secret Service lets him sit in that school for many, many minutes when they, <clears throat> according to their guidelines, they should have picked him up and mm -hmm. taking him to, taken him to the nearest bunker. The most important is the threat that comes in, Angel is next. And it's not just Angel is next with the one code word, Angel, but a whole cascade of top-secret cosmic-level code words indicating that this is the main political moment of the day. This is when the invisible government speaks. And I tried to reconstruct this based on not just the reports from William Sapphire, but from French, from Russian and Israeli intelligence sources, since they saw and heard a lot of these things. This is a threat that comes in. The Bush people think that they're dealing with a military coup, and they are. He's got to run to uh, Barksdale Air Force Base, Louisiana. He's got to go to Offutt then in Nebraska to try to assert that he's president and that he is in control of the nuclear forces, but he's also in the process of giving them what they want. And what they want is you've got to say, Bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, Afghanistan, because we're going to attack Afghanistan as part of this crazy war of civilizations. The one other big thing is that in that morning, as my friend General Ivashov from Moscow has <clears throat> stressed in public, before any planes were hijacked, the U.S. was in a full Cuban Missile Crisis nuclear war alert with B-1s and B-52s loaded with hydrogen bombs, the land-based missiles all ready to go, submarine-launched missiles in their firing positions, we must assume, probably near Russia and China, because the big political event of the day is the Bush-Putin phone call. And in the course of that, Bush, by now obviously accepting the hegemony of the coup faction and, and doing everything that they want, uh, he says to Putin, guess what? We're seizing Afghanistan, and we're seizing bases in the five former Soviet republics of Central Asia, right, the stands, mm -hmm. right. so to speak. Now, what if Putin, instead of being the intelligent uh, leader that he is, probably the most intelligent in the world, what if Putin had said, the hell you will, we'll blow your head off with nuclear weapons, we then would have had a process of thermonuclear escalation, and the invisible government was ready for it. If you look at this drill, this is in some ways the most interesting. This is Global Guardian, now renamed Global Storm, but then Global Guardian, which includes having all of these nuclear forces basically on red alert and having a back door in the form of a built into the exercise, a rogue insider with access to the command structure who could launch nuclear missiles. So there's, there's the moment where the fake rogue insider could turn into a real rogue insider and launch these missiles. But now, that's you're talking, about, you're talking about this, our government. 
Yes. The, no, oh, okay. These, well, that are would, that, all, these are members of the coup faction. They're well, that not, would be Cheney. Cheney is a, is a puppet, of course, of a higher level than Bush. But let's remember, an old uh, man, uh, uh, an old drunk, four heart attacks, five pacemakers, can't hit the uh, broadside of a barn. He's got his neocon wife yapping in his ear. She keeps turning off the interagency briefing so she can listen to CNN. The idea, of course, that Cheney directed this operation from this bunker underneath the White House is absolutely fantastic. Nobody in his right, right mind, right. nobody in his right mind would put something so important in the in the hands of somebody who could drop dead from a heart attack from one moment to the next. The center of this thing has got to be a privatized command center. I would say probably in the buildings and premises of a private military firm so that not any government official can simply walk in, but that you've got at least some ability to keep certain people out. All right, let me ask you, in, in that scene in the classroom that we're all familiar with, where Bush sits there for right. uh, four or five minutes, what, was that deliberate? Was there a hit squad or a hit team that was supposed to show up at that moment? I think, essentially, if, if people are going to be uh, indicted for 9-11 crimes, the head of the Secret Service at that time is one of them. There is a report that when it becomes clear that the United States is under massive attack, somebody says, either a Secret Service agent or, according to another account, the Marine colonel who was carrying the football with the nuclear codes in it, they say, we're out of here. And that would be the guidelines. In other words, with Cheney, they picked him up physically and took him to the bunker. That's what they should have done with Bush. Everybody laughs about my pet goat. But while laughing about my pet goat, Look at what's going on. The President of the United States is being security stripped, hung out to dry, and offered up as a target. If, if these invisible characters had had any assets in the skies over that school, they could have taken yeah. Bush out. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, another break here, uh, Webb, and then we're going to come back and, and go back to the phones. Uh, the only thing uh, that I would uh, ask is uh, an answer to the question of the... Uh, was it just mass incompetence, or was it a uh, a, a screwed-up plan that had Bush sitting there unprotected? We'll come back right after this break. Stay with us. We're talking with Ed Tarpley. I'm Mike Malloy. This is the Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Are you losing your hair? Fight back with Avacor. Now with Boost, which gives you visibly thicker hair with a first application. I'm 20 years old and I've been losing my hair for three years. I started using Avacor and my hair stopped falling out. It's working. Well, I'm 72 years old and I can tell you honestly, I have a fuller, healthier head of hair now than I did when I was 18 years old. Avacor really worked. Whether you're 20, 72, or any age in between, Avacor works. And Avacor with Boost will improve your hair's appearance the same day you receive your order. Call now and you can get three months of Avacor free with your order. Plus a free gift from Avacor's hair care line of products. Call 1-800-884-6270. That's 1-800-884-6270. This is a limited time offer, so call right now. 1-800-884-6270. That's 1-800-884-6270. Hi, I'm David Oreck. 40 million Americans suffer from allergies, 17 million from asthma, 37 million from sinus infections. Here's the thought. Change the air you breathe. 
An Auric Professional Air Purifier completely renews the air in an average-sized room every 10 minutes. Try it free for 90 days. Call 1-800-989-4200. That's 1-800-989-4200. The walls close in. The air grows thin. An unspeakable crime unfolds as a new victim learns that it is possible to be scared to death. Faithless, the chilling new novel by Karen Slaughter. When Grant County Coroner Sarah Linton discovers a young woman's body, she bows to unmask a killer who preys on both body and soul. Read Faithless by best-selling author Karen Slaughter. Now a Dell paperback.
threaten this country. Oh, they may be able to bomb a buildings. Twenty-six before the hour. All right, we had a question on the table, I think, didn't we, Webb? Yes, we did. Let me just mention two quick things. If you didn't see the four C-SPAN uh, showings of the scholars, I think you can get that at Infowars.com. If you haven't seen it, you, you'll never be up to speed on this stuff unless you unless you follow it. For week to week, uh, I'm on the radio myself, RBNlive.com, every Saturday from five. To seven, and I've got archived interviews on there of most of the main authorities in the field. Now, in terms of the question, was it incompetence or was it done deliberately? Uh, courtesy of our group here, DC 9-11 Truth, we have the following. When Richard Clark appeared before the commission, he said, your government failed you. This is wrong. Your government killed you. In other words, they made it happen on purpose. My hop. That is the theoretical position that I try to represent. Anything short of this gives you the following three problems. If you believe that there's really terrorism out there, if you believe that al-Qaeda really exists as an independent organization that has these capabilities, you're lost. And this is mainly because it's not true. Al-Qaeda is a wholly owned and wholly operated subsidiary of the CIA and MI6. We know that the U.S. government through the CIA provided bin Laden's uh, kidney dialysis as long as he was alive. They provided his travel agency through the State Department in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. They gave him a personal assistant in the form of Sergeant Ali Muhammad of the U.S. Special Forces. They provided his fan club in the form of Michael Scheuer down at the, at the CIA who writes that bin Laden is the greatest genius, the Abraham Lincoln uh, of the Arabs, and also his legal services. That was Madeleine Albright saying, oh, no, we could never accept bin Laden because we haven't indicted him. We indict ham sandwiches, but not, not bin Laden. So none of these people could exist without the kind of support that they get because a lot of them are just basket cases. Now, if you accept the notion that there really is terrorism but that Bush has bungled the job, then you need to have the war on terror, but it has to be done in a different way. That gets you into the area of supporting somebody like Lieberman or maybe Hillary Clinton who says that she will attack Iran faster than Bush would and she'll get uh, European troops and money that Bush can't get. So you become, in a sense, a warmonger. You fall victim to the, the whole demagogy of the war on terror, which is exactly the point that has to be denied. Finally, if you believe that it's, it's incompetence, you're going to be looking still to bin Laden, the cave, or maybe Hezbollah or Iran for the next event. Uh, this is also wrong. What you've got to be looking at is drills. There's a, there are a couple of websites, False Flag News, uh, Total 411 Info. You can go there and find the efforts of, of volunteers, activists, who are attempting to see on the horizon in terms of what's coming the various kinds of weapons of mass destruction drills that are coming our way. In other words, the terrorism, if it comes, is going to come from your own government, not from the cave. Uh, to put it in, maybe to sum that up, if weapons of mass destruction go off anywhere in the world, please don't think bin Laden, al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, Syria, Iran. These people are not, bin Laden is a, is a patsy, and these other forces are independent forces that are not that stupid. If WMD goes off, you've got to think Cheney, Cheney's office, Cheney's backers. And if we got the American population to that point, terrorism would no longer have any political payoff, and it would tend to recede uh, into, into oblivion. You know, most people uh, accept the uh, suspicious fact that, that uh, or, or, or the sus suspicion around 
the idea that Bush would claim that he was determined to get to the truth and what happened and want to bring the terrorists to justice, then do everything he could to stop the 9-11 Commission from even forming and, and, and holding hearings as, as sick and as weak as those hearings were. So, I, you know, that, that was all PR? Is that what you're saying? I, I would quote my, my friend Andreas von Bülow, who was the technology minister of Germany and the deputy defense minister of Germany, a major NATO power, needless to say. He said, look, the, the, the United States government accuses the Arabs but hides all the evidence and falsifies all the evidence. Right? The FBI confiscated all the tapes, 75 to 80 tapes of whatever hit the Pentagon, obviously not a Boeing, uh, and all the other stuff, right? They intimidate witnesses, they destroy evidence. It's all, all through my book. You can find this stuff. If the evidence really did convict these 19 patsies, the U.S. government would publish it. They'd be, they'd be spewing it at you. Therefore, says von Bülow, it's clear that the evidence that really exists does not indict the 19 patsies as the actual executives of this stuff. It must come back against the U.S. government or parts thereof. And that is exactly correct. This is one way to get to that main question, did they let it happen on purpose or did they make it happen on purpose? And the answer is they made it happen on purpose. All right, let's, let's go back to some questions here. Uh, Jackie is calling from Boston. Uh, Jackie, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. I think you're terrific. I just wish that President Clinton would remind the whole public by announcing how members of the, the a whole big wild madman around the president, then members of the Project for the New American Century, asked him, 1998, to invade Iraq and take out Saddam. That's proof that they wanted to do this. And all those men around the president, that's Cheney, Rumsfeld, Wolfowitz, the whole gang of them, but a dozen of them came in there. His brother, uh, Bush's brother Jeb, had been a member of that, not George. But they, their whole purpose is listed in the principles that are in the book by George Soros, how just to reshape the Middle East for American advantages, American principles and ideals, okay, and to about, challenge hostile nations. Okay, the, Jackie, 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 uh, uh, we, we all agree with this. What about a question for Webb? Well, how come we don't hear about this project for a new American century? Okay, let, let, let's, I, I think you hear plenty right, let's about get an it. answer. One, one right, thanks, Jackie. Is, one of the problems is that the Democratic Party is more devoted to the Al-Qaeda bin Laden myth than the Republicans. The Republicans have Iraq to talk about, or at least they did until quite recently. It's the Democrats who say, we are the true church, the true altar, where we repeat bin Laden, bin Laden, Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda, whereas the Republicans strayed into Mesopotamia and got us into this mess. And this also it reflects the fact that we have left gatekeepers and right gatekeepers, and on the, 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 the left liberal intelligentsia, and, and really the biggest barrier, the Noam Chomsky, Michael Moore, Amy Goodman said, these are the biggest barrier to getting the truth out. This is a racist, militaristic, uh, apocalyptic myth, warmongering myth that the FBI and Bush trotted out, and we have people who would be mortified. They wouldn't be caught dead believing Bush on the environment or prescription drugs, but on the main issue of the age, the central issue, which is the basis of everything else that Bush and Cheney and Blair do, the left gatekeepers are eager to believe it. They're eager to parrot the official version and even to slander people such as myself and many others who have been trying to uh, to tear down this official story. All right, let's go to uh, Mark is calling in from Missouri. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, 
all war games have very specific uh, details and situations in regarding the set of war games that was enacted on September 11th that we're talking about. Is it possible, or do we know who or what generated these very specific games? And I'll just listen off the air. Thanks. Okay. Thank well, there, there is some report that at, at one point Cheney was given a kind of formal oversight of uh, drills and so forth. But I think you've got to look at somebody like General Myers, uh, you've got to look at the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You've got to look at the various commands. Obviously, STRATCOM is is prominently involved. Uh, I would also look, for example, uh, Able Danger. Uh, Able Danger, in my mind, is not a group of good guys who are attempting to catch terrorists. In my mind, Able Danger are the case officers and terrorist controllers of people like Atta. Uh, and this is why they were engaging in the supervision, right? The Able Danger story is useful on one level because it, 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 we see here that Colonel Schaefer and Captain Philpot of U.S. military intelligence go to Zelikow and say, Zelikow, the 9-11 Commission has got to take into account that Atta and several other patsies were in New York City at the beginning of 2000, which the, the Commission denies. Uh, I would say part of this is that there may have been two Attas, doubles. Uh, but it's clear that Zelikow and the Kane Hamilton Commission absolutely ignored this testimony that was brought to them by very important U.S. military intelligence officers. So that's one level. This is another way you can say the 9/11 Commission is bankrupt. It's it's got it doesn't have a leg to stand on. At a deeper level, though, it's got to be clear that able danger are terrorist controllers. Uh, every year, there's a big anti-terror drill of the special. Uh, operation special forces command which is called able uh able warrior and uh the that that is a defensive drill so remember how the military do these things they have one defensive drill and one offensive drill so if the uh the one side of the able is the defensive side able danger is likely to be the the, the part that plays the attacker and of course for that you're going to need a troop of people who look like terrorists and that would be Somebody like Mohammed Atta, who looks like he's he's Rudolph Valentino in the Sheik, who's got that stare. Well, that, that brings to people with, so he'll get remembered, and everybody will say, "Oh yes, I saw him. It was unforgettable the way he looked at me." Okay, that brings uh, that brings the question then: Who are these people on the uh, airport videotapes uh, that have been identified? Uh, several of them as the uh, sub uh, subsequently as the hijackers. Who are these people? Well, we just. Well, wait a second, wait a second. Webb, I've I got to ask you to hold just a second because we've got to take a break, and we'll get an answer for it when we come back. But, but that's another question I have. Who are these people that appear on the tape? Uh, we're talking with Webster Tarpley. You know who he is. Stay with us. I'm Mike Malloy. This is Air America. Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio.
let a stiff neck or an aching back or even arthritis keep you from being active. Go out and get the Salon Paws patch. Salon Paws medicated patches provide fast and sustained relief to aching muscles and joints. Simply apply the Salon Paws patch where it hurts and enjoy hours of soothing relief. No fuss, no mess, just lasting relief. So don't let muscle pain slow you down. Be more active with the Salon Paws patch. Salon Paws is available at major chain drugstores and pharmacies. Okay, the question before the court is this. Who exactly eliminated the middleman? All right, we'll come clean. Geico is guilty as charged. Yes, we did away with him, and we do it again. After all, when Geico gives you the same great service as the other guys and could save you hundreds on your car insurance, getting rid of the middleman isn't really a crime. It's more of a public service. Go to Geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. 15 minutes could save you 15%.
Saddam Hussein was involved with September the 11th. It's 10 before the hour. We're talking with uh, Webb Tarpley, uh, author and 9-11 truth seeker. Uh, Webb, uh, our next break is in about seven minutes. Do you want to stick around for another segment? Absolutely. Okay. Um, let me see. Uh, who are the patsies? The, the, yeah, the patsies. The, the patsies. guys, the, the guys who, whose faces appeared on the videotape. The 19. All right. These are double agents, fanatics, dupes, um, psychotics. They're a collection of, of, uh, of patsies. Uh, interesting, though, is... Did they, they know they were going to die that day? Uh, probably not. They probably thought that they were actors in a drill. For example, Amalgam Virgo, June 2002, planned. This is a Delta 757 with Delta pilots, real pilots, actors posing as passengers that was going to be hijacked by FBI agents posing as terrorists. And I would say somebody like Atta would have been perfect to be deputized by the FBI to play this role in such a drill. What we do know about the Patsies, a lot of them are living on U.S. military bases. They're living in Pensacola, Florida at the, at the uh, Naval School. They're out at the uh, Defense Language School in Monterey, California. Uh, a couple of them are living with an FBI informant. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, well, what, what is this? This is a troop of characters that are normally used for drills, except at a certain point the drill is flipped live, and these characters find that they're in the middle of it. Look at Musawi. We got a chance to study him quite a bit. His own lawyer said he's a delusional, paranoid schizophrenic. Oh, he was wacko. This is accurate. Yeah, wacko. He's nuts. And that's, that's the kind of person you need. But he's also a double agent. When he repeated in that trial, I know that Bush is going to save me, Bush is going to exchange me, that is exactly what his case officer was telling him in order to get him to do the things that he did and stick his head into the noose and maintain somehow some shred of credibility, they thought, for the government's uh, case. So it's, it's basically the moles have to make sure that the patsies don't get arrested, not because the patsies can carry out these crimes, because they can't. These are basket cases, right? Do we know Hani Hanjour tried to rent a plane here in Maryland? They wouldn't give him a Cessna. They said, we don't care if you have a pilot's license. We don't want you to have our plane. You're going to crash it. So they, they can't do that, but they've got to be floating around somewhere somehow and be seen so that when these events take place, the patsies can be scapegoated and blamed for it. And that's the key to the political targeting. So moles, patsies, professional killers, the point at which these planes intersect creates an illusion, and the illusion is, for example, 9-11. The Washington Post, way back on uh, May 6, 2004, uh, had this uh, under the headline, Recording Contained Accounts of Communications with Hijacked Planes. And let me read just the first two sentences. Six air traffic controllers provided accounts of their communications with hijacked planes on September 11, 2001, on a tape recording that was later destroyed by FAA managers, according to a government investigative report issued today. It is unclear what information was on the tape because no one ever listened to, transcribed, or duplicated it. The report by the Department of Transportation Inspector General said, uh, you maintain, and I think a lot of people do, that the Department of Transportation was as involved in this as the FAA. Well, they were, although I, uh, you have to watch out that there's an attempt to scapegoat the FAA and the Department of Transportation to get these military coup artists, the, the various Arnolds and Mars, 
off off the screen. Why would this tape be destroyed? For God's sake, it right. was obviously it, contains incriminating material. Remember, the <laughs> FBI is destroying evidence all the time. This is the story of the infamous Kevin Delaney, who destroyed these post hoc debriefings of a group of air traffic controllers. Uh, if you listen to the guy who wrote this article, the guy that the government singled out to give these tapes to and and put them into Vanity Fair. His name, I think, is Bronner. Bronner says, oh, yeah, that was a trade union official who was trying to protect his workers from being investigated after the fact. This is quite ridiculous. This is obviously an invisible government operative. On a broader scale, the biggest destruction of information is able danger. Here we're talking about 2.5 terabytes equal to one quarter of all the books in the Library of Congress, destroyed in a series of events in 2000, before the fact, but also after the fact, in, 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 the, in the weeks and months after September 11th. So the big scandal, of course, is the able danger material. Uh, if there's going to be a Watergate tape equivalent in this mm -hmm. scandal, it might well be that there may be some computer somewhere with some of that able danger material is still retained. One of the things we know about able danger is they had a rogues gallery of these patsies in the, in the office of one of the military intelligence guys of able danger, and they had post-it notes over the faces of people like Atta saying, don't tell the FBI about this guy, which is simply what the moles do. The moles have to protect the patsies until the event takes place, at which point they turn against the patsies and round them up. Yeah, well, the, the thing about the Washington Post article, too, if I can go back to that, that, that intrigued me was uh, the request, the report about what happened to that tape was was uh, conducted uh, at, at the request of John McCain. Uh, McCain said, "Look, you know, I know about this. I, I know that these six air traffic controllers provided information that could be key to figuring all this out. And it was McCain that requested it. And uh, had McCain not requested it, uh, I don't think it ever would have been a matter of public record that these uh, this tape did exist and was destroyed." There are, there are, of course, anomalies in this. If you look at Congressman Kurt Weldon, Republican of Pennsylvania, a, a well-known loose cannon maverick type, uh, yeah. it's inexplicable that he would do all this stuff to call attention to able danger. Obviously, he has a, a partisan idea that somehow these, these patsies were running around under the Clinton uh, administration. And, of course, McCain is, is unstable enough, we know, to do... Unstable things. So yeah, well, maybe rocking the boat a little bit. <laughs> you get no argument from me about McCain. All right, we have a we have a break here. Um, it's potty break time. We'll come back and we'll stick around. Absolutely. All right, Webb. Well, uh, we'll come back and take phone calls after this break. Stay with us. I'm Mike Malloy. This is Air America Radio. America Radio. Who's there? Opportunity. Opportunity who? Opportunity knocking. What for? Your chance to win. Win what? Sony stuff. 
Who's with you? Sony Card. Sony Card who? Sony Card Weekly Cash-In. Cash-In? How much? A $500 Sony Card credit or a $599 Sony-style gift card every week. That's a lot of dough. Good for a lot of entertainment. Like movies and music? A digital camera? Go for it. But how? Every week, three lucky card members can win. Sounds like a great opportunity. But you got to act fast. Where do I apply? Online. What's the address? Go to SonyCardWin.com slash winner. Sounds easy. It is. It's Sony Card. Earning points towards Sony rewards with every use. Go to SonyCardWin.com slash winner. No purchase necessary. Offer ends 1230-106. Void where prohibited. Open only to U.S. residents 18 or older as of date of entry. Odds of winning depend on number of entries. For official rules and alternative method of entry, go to SonyCardWin.com. Sponsored by Sony Electronics, Inc. And remember, life's more entertaining with Sony Card. Air America Radio News, I'm Jennifer Polsoni. The two-week death toll from the waning national heat wave is being placed at around 150 people. The latest victims include a husband and wife in their mid-60s, found dead in their living room with the windows closed and no air conditioning in Newark, New Jersey. Though electricity demand is starting to decline, businesses in New York's Times Square are dimming lights in efforts to conserve. Israeli aircraft continue to pound Lebanon in an offensive against Hezbollah. Meanwhile, the Lebanese prime minister says his country may have only a week's worth of fuel left. Two tankers with fuel from the battered country remain anchored in Cyprus due to concerns for safe passage through an Israeli blockade. CBS News correspondent Kimberly Dozier is out of the hospital. Dozier has been receiving treatment in the Baltimore area after being severely injured by a roadside bomb on May 29th while reporting in Iraq. The 40-year-old Dozier says she's up and on crutches and can even walk with a cane. An expert on Latin America thinks it's unlikely that there be a mass exodus from Cuba in the event of the death of Fidel Castro. Dr. Charles, a manager of Penn State University, doesn't expect to see a great number of Cuban Americans headed back to their ancestral home either. But a manager says the economic clout of the Cuban American community would be something to be dealt with. I don't really see that kind of some kind of overwhelming invasion of Miami Cubans, but I, I think more important would be the fact that the Miami Cubans would have a lot of money to invest, and that uh, with opportunities, with uh, an opening, 
that, that they could be very influential. A manager says family ties between Cuba and South Florida will temper any anti-American feelings that might be stirred up by the government in the event of Castro's death. The wife of a kidnapped Israeli soldier is touring the U.S. in hopes of ensuring her husband and two comrades are still alive. Reeling from her unanswered text message on July 12th, the wife of kidnapped Israeli soldier Ehud Goldwasser is pleading to make a connection. Someone who knows the Hezbollah and asks them to send us a sign, something that they are still alive. Embarking on a world tour, she's sharing the story of the three soldiers and defending Israel, lock, stock and barrel. The Hezbollah threw Katyusha rockets all over the north. So Israel is a country that take care of their citizens. Spencer Rain, River Edge, New Jersey. You're listening to Air America Radio News.
Welcome back. It's seven past the hour. We're talking with Webster Tarpley, one of the, uh, if not the premier 9-11 truth seeker. Uh, Webb, uh, I've got a couple of uh, people who uh, have brought this up uh, and emailed me. The the movie Loose Changed, uh, Loose Change talks about the hijackers being alive and living in various countries. And uh, a week after this attack, or ten days after the attack, the BBC, on its webpage, <coughs> excuse me, published the photographs of, and had an interview with three of these hijackers, who said, "What the hell are you talking about? I'm alive. I live here. What? What? How does that factor into all this?" It, 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 you have to see how the FBI fabricated this list in the immediate wake of, of what they were doing. I've tried to suggest that there were two Atas. For sure there are two Jaras, Jara being the, the pilot allegedly of the of the Shanksville aircraft. Again, all of this stuff is hearsay. Um, you've got to imagine this troop of, of patsies, um, a lot of them using stolen identities, a lot of them having carried out identity theft or multiple identity theft. Uh, so therefore, I think it is, it is extremely likely, I would say almost guaranteed, that there are people whose photographs were published by the FBI who are alive and well and living somewhere outside of the United States. Um, it is, of course, a, a tremendous dereliction by Director Mueller of the FBI that he doesn't take down this idiotic uh, gallery of 19 people and that people still go around saying, you know, they came from Saudi Arabia or, or this other uh, dribble when you don't know any of that. All you know from, from Mueller is that they went to Afghanistan, invaded the country, and never found a line about it. So I think this is something that people at Global Outlook magazine are going to do, is to bring out some interviews and some uh, documentation about the 9-11 uh, accused patsies who actually are still alive uh, in, in one form or, or another. So it's just one more... Uh, Achilles' heel of this of this crazy castle of, of allegations. Right. Another question here via email, and then back to the phones. This is from Hal in Arlington Heights, Illinois. He wants to know. Uh, he says we've been warned by such uh, experts as Ray McGovern, uh, Nafiz Ahmad, and Daniel Ellsberg of risk of a terror event in the U.S. before the November elections and subsequent government actions. Does Webster agree? If so, what do we do? Well, I, I have to say, I, I do agree with the thesis. I'd have to point out that, that, that Ray McGovern and Ellsberg are both people who fundamentally believe the official version and maybe have some unanswered questions. There were some reports that Ellsberg had decided to throw over the official version, and he wrote a very indignant letter saying, oh, no, my, my dedication to the official version is still there. Uh, we are operating under the Cheney Doctrine, and this has been known since uh, last July approximately, when Philip Giraldi, himself a former CIA agent, published this material in a, in a little-known magazine called The American Conservative. And there we find that Cheney had tasked the Pentagon to prepare the nuclear bombing of Iran in the immediate wake of a new fake 9-11 using weapons of mass destruction and or a new Gulf of Tonkin incident. And, of course, it specified that... Uh, there would be no attempt to prove anything, not to, not to provide any proof concerning the alleged role of Iran, which would make no sense in the real world, uh, and that various Air Force officers were appalled by this, but because of their needs for career management, they were going to keep their mouths shut. So absolutely, it is an open secret. Anybody who is intelligence-witting knows that at any juncture right now, we could get a provocation. How about this one? The Israelis are known to have stored deposits of weapons of mass destruction in special 
bunkers in the Negev. And one of the reasons that those UN uh, observers had to be murdered uh, about a week ago was that part of the plan may be that the Israelis, if they ever invade Syria, will carry with them weapons of mass destruction that will be planted in Syria near the Iraqi border uh, as a means of finally validating Bush's uh, you know, universally discredited charge that there were weapons of mass destruction. In other words, when the U.S. went into Iraq, uh, they didn't obviously uh, prepare the fake weapons of mass destruction to to, to hold up their, their charges. But the Israelis are perhaps smarter in this respect. They're not going to make the same mistake. If they do attack Syria, they will take weapons of mass destruction with them and plant them. My head is starting to hurt again. Let's go back to the uh, <laughs> let's go back to the phone calls here. Um, Bill is calling from Portland, Oregon. Bill, welcome to the program. Yes. Um, I have a follow-up if you care to keep me on. Uh, I see Henry Kissinger and Michael Ledeen covering for B2 and in the Monte Carlo Committee. Um, what is the relationship between the Gladio Stay Behind Network and the Rogue Mole Network that carried out 9-11? Well, I think broadly speaking, these are examples of the same phenomenon. They're all they're all tentacles of this same uh, city of London, Wall Street, uh, invisible government, which has has tended to to play a dominant role in in the United States. Ladine is obviously somebody who was uh, very close to the the operations of the P2 Lodge and and to some extent of Gladio. P2, you can imagine, is the intelligence gathering and 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 uh, targeting. Uh, authority, and then Gladio would go out and 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 uh, actually attack people or blow blow up trains and so forth, and and uh, that's that's Ladine. I mean, he's an Iran Contra figure, uh, extremely well known. He's also involved in, in in recent operations with somebody like Larry Franklin and and so forth. Uh, so these these are similar. Gladio is what they were doing in Central Europe in the 60s and 70s. This, of course, was spheres of influence terrorism, geopolitical terrorism, and 9-11 is really the same thing. It's an attempt to reorganize world affairs according to this principle of the war of civilizations, the war on terror, and to use that to maintain uh, a, an enemy image so that you can continue to have a hierarchical, plutocratic, unjust society of the type that we see around us uh, all the time. So that's why they do it. They need the war. Uh, for many, many reasons, but mainly to keep their social order going. And this is why I think some people like William Sloan Coffin in the last months of his life and, mm -hmm. and Rabbi Michael Lerner of Tikkun have both in, in their own way have come to this conclusion that you've got to have 9-11 truth because this is the only way you can get back to real politics and address real issues because if you don't do that, you're going to be told, no, we have the war on terror yeah, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. So this means that 9-11 is not just some issue next to other issues. It's the overarching issue. And by the way, anybody who try, try, thinks they're going to stop the Iraq war without 9-11 truth, and this is a big debate in the, in the peace movement, if you don't have 9-11 truth, you will fail. It just won't work. You've mm -hmm. got to have 9-11 truth to stop these wars. All right. Let's, uh, Karen is calling from Kansas. Karen, welcome to the program. Hello, Michael. Hey. Hey, you know, I've known for a long time that all the wars are contrived and part of the agenda, but what he's describing with this pre- and post-9-11 is absolutely mind-boggling. I'm wondering if he can go a little bit further. Well, you can ask him. He's right here. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, yeah, go ahead. Would you please go a little bit further and tell the brain-dead people that don't know what is going on 
what these elitist lizard pukes intend to do to this wonderful country of ours in the very near future in terms of selling out our highway infrastructure to the King of Spain, the, the North American Union, all the things that they intend to do to us without our knowledge and without our voting, without our uh, without anything that what can we do about it? Can we reverse these horrible, horrible trade agreements? And can we get ourselves out of this mess? Okay, that's a good question. Right. Obviously, we, Thanks, we, have the, we have the question of the existing wars, and then we have the wider war leading to 9/11. But as you rightly point out, we've got the question of the domestic totalitarianism, the police state, uh, the concentration camps, and all the rest of this stuff. However, I would say what you need to do right now is is activism. Look. We've had Able Danger. We've had uh, the Vanity Fair articles. We've got the Washington Post pointing out that the generals have lied uh, and so forth to the 9-11 Commission. It is obvious that the dams are breaking. The myth is collapsing. 9-11 uh, truth is at hand, and that is the greatest political earthquake we've ever seen. It'll take you back to the Watergate Spring of 1973. Two things to focus on. One is the anniversary of 9-11 ought to be made the occasion for citizen forums, uh, people's forums in every part of this country. There are some big ones that are scheduled. There should be one everywhere pointing out that this thing is a, is a big lie. And the other question is the election coming up. We have 9-11 truth candidates. We've got Craig Hill in Vermont. We've got Bob Bowman in Florida, Carol Brule in, in California. We've Web, got Web I need to take a break. Web, okay. just, yeah, yeah. Give me, uh, give me a couple of minutes here. We're taking another break. This is Air America. We're talking with Web, uh, Webster Tarpley. I'm Mike Malloy. Stay with us. You're listening to the Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. The walls close in, the air grows thin. An unspeakable crime unfolds as a new victim learns that it is possible to be scared to death. Faithless, the chilling new novel by Karen Slaughter. When Grand County Coroner Sarah Linton discovers a young woman's body, she vows to unmask a killer who preys on both body and soul. Read Faithless by best-selling author Karen Slaughter. Now a Dell paperback. Hi, I'm David Oreck. Can a vacuum make a difference in your life? Ask anybody who owns an 8-pound Auric XL. They'll tell you there's not an easier or more efficient way to clean your home. And it's sanitary. See for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Call 1-800-989-4200. 1-800-989-4200. I'll get an Auric XL to you faster than you can say. Why settle for clean when you can have healthy, too?
found new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Twenty-one past the hour. Webb, uh, here's another uh, wrinkle that uh, as long as we've uh, got you uh, on the program here, I've got to ask you about this, the so-called dancing Israelis. Uh, ABC News reported this on June 22, 2002, and it has to do with the, the five young men uh, who were on uh, the New Jersey side of filming um, the, uh, the bombing of the Trade Center. And uh, they, a, a woman who was watching out her window wrote down the license plate. These guys were picked up, and uh, they were detained, some of them for as long, I, I think for a month. Uh, an immigration judge ordered them deported. The FBI stepped in and said, wait a second. And then the, uh, the Forward, which is a Jewish newspaper in New York, as you're well aware, and advertises on this program frequently, the Forward reported that the FBI concluded that two of the men were Israeli intelligence operatives. What the hell was this all about? Well, the question of, of the relationship of Israel to these events, of course, is very controversial. Uh, the dancing Mossad agents on the roof there in, in New Jersey, I think, ought to remind us that the Mossad has, has uh, convinced a lot of people, as have the Israeli Defense Forces, convinced a lot of people in the last 20 or 30 years that they're somehow supermen, invincible, infallible, unbeatable, whereas really, as my friend David Shaler, who was a whistleblower from MI5, has pointed out, uh, the, the real reputation of the Mossad is bungling. Uh, here we have the dancing Israelis on the, on the roof of this, uh, this house, right? This is, no, this is a white, a white, white moving van. Well, uh, we, we know from many, many accounts that the Mossad was crawling like lice over many of the, of the 9-11 patsies, the people who would turn out to be the patsies, people like Atta and, and so forth, the principal ones. However, uh, you have to basically get down to the point, did the Mossad have an operative role in these events? And my finding is there is no operative role that can be, that can be shown. What you can, what you can prove is the Mossad observed everything. They celebrated it, as you see here. They uh, warned, uh, the, some messages from Israel came to people saying, uh, watch out for something that's going to happen. This is the so-called Odigo message. However, if you ask the Israelis about that, they would say, well, that's nothing. We tried to warn the U.S. government, and I believe they did, partly to cover themselves, but partly also to, to give it to deliver a warning. Uh, so it's a small country, and they're going to try to warn their people uh, to some to some uh, extent before this stuff happens. But what you don't find is the Israelis actually doing this. Rather, what you find is that the, the operative role of MI6, the British side, is much greater. When you look at people like Musawi and, indeed, Richard Reed, the shoe bomber, who are around the edges of this thing, you'll see that they are both products of these two important schools for patsies in London, the Finsbury Mosque and the Brixton Mosque, where uh, the, the uh, radical imams there are working for British intelligence. They're allowed to go into Her Majesty's prisons and recruit patsies, terrorists, and so forth among the, the, the poor wretches that they find in these jails. And if you go back to Shaler, Shaler's report was that when he was at MI5 in 1995, he looked over and saw that his counterpart of MI6, the foreign intelligence, was attempting to organize an assassination of Gaddafi of Libya by paying hundreds of thousands of pounds to al-Qaeda 
hitmen, and the goal there was presumably to overthrow Gaddafi, bring in an al-Qaeda regime, and use that as the pretext to invade Libya, so the U.S. and the British could, could have seized those oil wells five or six years before 9-11. So if you're looking for a foreign complicity, the British beat everybody else. All right, let's, let's go back to the calls here. Uh, um, let's see, who's up now? Ron is calling from uh, Davis, California. Ron, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Mike. Uh, good, hey. uh, incredible program. Um, uh, this is the web. Uh, Mike started off the program by talking about the bloodbath in the, in the entire Middle East, Iraq, Afghanistan, and so forth. So I'd like Webb to take a shot at uh, Natanz, Iran in particular, which has 70 anti-air uh, defense missiles, Russian, surrounding it. Now, if Israel were to strike that, uh, that's where they have the centrifuge. They would say it was because uh, Iranians were uh, developing nuclear weapons, and if we were to strike it, we would say the same thing, but we really are more concerned about the petro-euro. Uh, that's why I'll just take the answer off the air. Okay, yes, thank you. indeed. You've got this. You've got the Iranian oil bourse, which is a very significant factor in in the, the possible shift of large amounts of central bank reserves out of the dollar and into the euro. Remember, the dollar is, of course, a bankrupt currency. It's got to borrow three to four billion dollars a day. We've got a a one trillion dollar trade deficit in effect, uh, which is undermining the, the, any kind of survivability of the dollar. You've also got the, the Russian trading system where you can buy oil and oil products with convertible, transferable rubles. All right. Uh, uh, I know and I'd like news. to say more, but I guess that's the, the, that, that's the, the music. Yeah. All right. Hold on, Webb. We'll come back after this okay. break. We're talking to Webster Tarpley. Stay with us. I'm Mike Malloy on Air America. Artisan appointees who themselves were not elected. Dot level meetings and undisclosed locations to suspend the Constitution and sustain the corporation. Their minutes, notes, and memos can't be shared. And by the way, does anybody know the current whereabouts? National security of the public scrutiny, policy of legal coup d'etat. Ah, oh, we have a shadow government. This is the Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Will Israel ever see an end to violence? How will the war against Iraq's insurgents impact Israel? Will changes on the Supreme Court have any effect on the Jewish community? Is anti-Semitism in Europe on the rise? What can be done about it? For a look behind the headlines, read The Forward, the nation's Jewish newspaper. The Forward reveals the personalities, motivations, and histories that are fueling the news abroad. The Forward also provides an in-depth look at issues affecting us at home, with comprehensive reports on everything from politics and religion to culture and the arts. It even has its own matchmaking section for Jewish singles. Try four weeks free, then be billed $24.95 for another 26 issues. Not satisfied? Just write cancel on the bill and keep the first four issues free. Call now, 800-641-2626 for the forward. That's 800-641-2626.
Don't let a stiff neck or an aching back or even arthritis keep you from being active. Go out and get the Salon Paws patch. Salon Paws medicated patches provide fast and sustained relief to aching muscles and joints. Simply apply the Salon Paws patch where it hurts and enjoy hours of soothing relief. No fuss, no mess, just lasting relief. So don't let muscle pain slow you down. Be more active with the Salon Paws patch. Salon Paws is available at major chain drugstores and pharmacies. If you want someone to tell you what you want to hear, we're not the place. But if you want someone to tell it like it is, come to Match.com. You need to start making some different decisions and embracing some different strategies to get what you want. Match.com is working with Dr. Phil, and our members are loving his insight. We'll show you who. He'll show you how. So come see what Match.com can do for you. Match.com, the number one site for love.
things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in, to kind of catapult the propaganda. Yikes. It's about 25 before the hour. Uh, we're talking with Webster Tarpley. Webb, a uh, question here from a listener in North Carolina via email. Uh, if the objects that crashed in Pennsylvania and into the Pentagon were drones or missiles, then where are the persons, the ticket holders, who were aboard Flight 77 and uh, 93? Mike? Yes. I'm sorry, we just had we had some kind of an electronic interruption, so I didn't hear the beginning of your question. <laughs> All right, let, let me... One of those little tricks that they play, right? Yeah, the yeah, well, uh, it happens a lot. This is from a listener... Up at Fort Meade. <laughs> a listener in North Carolina who emails in a uh, question for you. If the objects that crashed in Pennsylvania and into the Pentagon were drones or missiles, then where are the persons, the ticket holders, who were aboard flights 77 and 93? Well, again, uh, on one of these... One of these is, is one flight can easily be taken care of with the fact that uh, a, a Boeing commercial airliner landed at Cleveland Airport and the people were taken to a distant corner of the airfield and they got out there. And in the case of the other one, I'm simply telling you that that question presupposes that you know things that you do not know. You cannot assume that the normal schedules of flights are actually the only ones. In, in the case of Flight 11, we know for sure that there were two of them. So one of them might have had people, one of them no people. Uh, and maybe the one that had no people in it was the one that, that crashed. We simply, we do not know. And, of course, all of these things can also be guided by various kinds of remote control technologies. But so, wouldn't that leave open the question, if there were two of these flights and one contained the passengers and, the, and, and that flight went on to its destination, wouldn't that leave open? No, uh, but you see, you've also got you've got other reports. If you re- look at Richard Clark's book, you've got a report of an of an airliner crashing somewhere. Uh, airliners can simply disappear because remember, you're not dealing with normal commercial aviation. You're dealing with a pervasive context of military drills, where one of these planes might easily have landed on a military base and disappeared that way. So you're attempting to do a level of detailed analysis when the facts that you have about the general situation don't allow you to do that. So therefore, I think this is this is in some ways a misleading and wrong question. All right, let, let, let's go back to some phone calls. Uh, Sally is calling from uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Sally, welcome to the program. Hi, good evening. Hey. Uh, I'll try to be real quick. Um, let me just preface my question with this. I have a daughter who was in New York uh, on 9-11, two blocks from the towers. Um, immediately before the first tower actually came down, she told me she heard a very loud explosion. Uh, the question is this. Would that indicate that there were, was something other than just the planes that brought that building, those buildings down? Could there have been explosives placed in the towers? And I do have one other quick question, and that is, sir, have you ever received any kind of threats at all uh, from um, the secret government uh, group? And uh, I'll let you answer the questions. Thank all right, you. Thanks, Sally. I guess I've received some by by indirection, maybe not so many direct ones, more more indirect ones. But uh, you know, if you got world, if you're looking at World War III, a lot of this stuff gets put in the in the right perspective. Uh, concerning this interesting question, now uh, we have William Rodriguez, the uh, janitor of the North Tower, who hears multiple explosions before the planes hit, 
This, by the way, applies also to the Pentagon. There were explosions in the Pentagon before whatever it was hit the Pentagon. If we look uh, on the C-SPAN uh, American Scholars Symposium that you can get from InfoWars.com, we have uh, the very distinguished physics professor, Stephen Jones, who goes through an analysis which shows that the controlled demolition of the two towers, the two big ones plus Building 7, is a question of a combination of classical controlled demolition using explosive charges supplemented by thermite, thermate, or superthermite in the form, for example, people may be familiar with a thermite grenade. If you put a thermite grenade on the back of a tank, it'll eat through the... Uh, the armor, it'll eat through the engine, it'll go through the engine block and end up on the ground within less than a minute. So uh, the notion that these these forms of, uh, of thermite were applied to key points in the column structure and the inside of the buildings, the 47 or 48 extremely strong steel columns that held the building up essentially in the middle, uh, that these could have been destroyed with something like a 1,000 pounds of, of thermite and explosives to explain this fact that, the columns are diced into convenient 25-yard sections, and you can see all kinds of, of um, pictures of molten metal, orange-yellow molten metal pouring out of the buildings, and you can also see some, some of these photographs where the columns have simply been cut uh, in a way that could not be a fire. It's got to be, it looks like an oxyacetylene torch did the job. This is one of the reasons why Mayor Giuliani of New York, the destroyer of the crime scene, a very obvious functionary of the invisible government who deserves to be asked about these things if he appears on the campaign trail anywhere. Giuliani gave this crazy order, no photographs allowed, of course, out of respect to the families, but in mm -hmm. reality, in order to prevent this important evidence from being photographed before he could send it out to Fresh Kills, and therefore, and then to China, where the where this this uh, basically the evidence was destroyed. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very odd. Uh, an email here uh, from someone that was holding on for an hour and then got disconnected uh, says, "Can you please ask Webster to explain the mindset of so-called left gatekeepers, most particularly like Amy Goodman?" I think the, the the main problem here you have is first of all, Pentagon funding. It's known Massachusetts Institute of Technology, where Noam Chomsky has his. Linguistics Institute receives massive contracts from the federal government. Uh, some of these may indeed go directly to his institute. I think uh, Professor Chomsky is now a wealthy man. I believe some people in his family have also become wealthy. Uh, I don't think it's a, it's, a, it's, a mistake, it's a mystery to see, for example, the Mearsheimer Walt paper on the power of the Zionist lobby, which is really a very uh, mild analysis of what goes on in Washington, D.C. Chomsky is out there saying, oh, no, there is no Israeli lobby. The, you know, the Poles and the Irish and the Italians all have something similar, nothing special there. In the case of Amy Goodman, it's obviously Ford Foundation funding that, uh, that plays the, the dominant role. And we have to remember when you say the Ford Foundation or the Rockefeller Foundation or whatever it is, under Reagan's executive order 12333 from 1982-83, most of what you think of as being the U.S. intelligence community has been privatized either into foundations or the National Endowment for Democracy or the private military firms that I think play an obvious uh, role in the 9-11 mm -hmm. events. All right, uh, back to the phone calls. Uh, Ted is calling from uh, Illinois. Ted, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, thanks. Webster, my question is uh, if these guys, the uh, invisible government or the PNAC types, 
are smart enough and organized enough to pull off such a sensational crime on uh, 9-11, why would they allow uh, the debate or the mystery over what hit the Pentagon? Why wouldn't they take care of that so that uh, it's not such an open debate still up today? Well, I, I think you, you, you have to ask yourself, what kind of a society do we live in? It's obvious that we live in an oligarchy, right? But it's a polycentric oligarchy. It's not like there's one central totalitarian power center that dictates everything and controls everything, at least not yet. That is not what you see empirically. As a matter of fact, this system is, is based on the idea that there are competing oligarchical power centers. So nobody is really able to control everything. What I think you see, for example, when you see the eight generals coming out saying they want Rumsfeld to resign, they're talking about Iraq up to a point, but they're really talking about Iran. They're talking about the bigger meat grinder, and they're essentially signaling that they don't want to go into the Iranian meat grinder. And I would say that there are other institutional forces in this country that also don't want World War III now. They don't want it when they're already losing in Afghanistan, Iraq, and the Israelis are obviously losing in Lebanon. So they're saying, we don't want World War III now. We'll have to do it some other way. I think this is this big new Brzezinski position. Uh, Brzezinski is essentially saying, we don't want it in the Middle East right now. I think Brzezinski's idea is we'll, we'll attack Moscow later, but not in this form, not now, and not in this way. And that, of course, means that there is a certain degree of institutional support, which we see, right? We see C-SPAN. We see uh, a New York Times article. We see a Reuters wire. We see a whole bunch of stuff going on. A lot of presence of 9-11 truth spokesmen on cable TV, be it O'Reilly or Hannity and Combs or whatever it is, Scarborough. Uh, I think that there is some group, CNN too, back with, with A.J. Hammer after Charlie Sheen had made his famous remark. Uh, I think that there is probably some faction of the ruling class that would like to have a limited hangout on these themes as a means of signaling to Bush and Cheney and, above all, characters like uh, William Crystal, who is calling for the attack on Iran in the Weekly Standard, right. and, of course, Newt Gingrich, a madman who is actually talking World War III. I think some people are horrified by that, and they, can, they have enough political understanding to see that the only way you stop this machine now is for the 9-11 issue to explode. And I, I think that's what's happening. All right, Webb, uh, after this break, uh, we're down to the last few minutes of the program. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, spending the whole two and a half hours. Delighted. All right, but uh, stick around. Let me do this break. We'll come back, and we'll close it up. All right? Perfect. Webster Tarpley is our guest. This is Air America. I'm Mike Malloy. Mike Malloy Show on Air America Radio. Who's there? Opportunity. Opportunity who? Opportunity knocking. What for? Your chance to win. Win what? Sony stuff. 
Who's with you? Sony Card. Sony Card who? Sony Card Weekly Cash In. Cash In? How much? A $500 Sony Card credit or a $599 Sony Style gift card every week. That's a lot of dough. Good for a lot of entertainment. Like movies and music? A digital camera? Go for it. But how? Every week, three lucky card members can win. Sounds like a great opportunity. But you got to act fast. Where do I apply? Online. What's the address? Go to SonyCardWin.com slash winner. Sounds easy. It is. It's Sony Card. Earning points towards Sony rewards with every use. Go to SonyCardWin.com slash winner. No purchase necessary. Offer ends 12-30-106. Void where prohibited. Open only to U.S. residents 18 or older as of date of entry. Odds of winning depend on number of entries. For official rules and alternative method of entry, go to SonyCardWin.com. Sponsored by Sony Electronics, Inc. And remember, life's more entertaining with Sony Card.
It's about 10 before the hour. Thanks to our New York crew, as always. Program engineered by Justin Yuen, Rob Granis, and Stan Stolpiak. Thanks, guys. David Weissman answered your calls tonight. Our senior correspondent is Chris in Minnesota. Mark Marshall is the webmaster here. Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org, archives this program. Jim and Arkansas, our music bureau chief. And Catherine Bays, our executive producer. Uh, Webb, um, we, we've got a couple of minutes left here. Uh, all right, listening to this, reading the things that are starting to leak out, reading your stuff, uh, reading uh, uh, other people, what the hell are we supposed to do now? Uh, 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 should we take up weapons and uh, overthrow no, the government? No, no. What? We need, we need 9-11 truth. Uh, as I said, we have a 9-11 candidates movement. We've got Craig Hill in Vermont, Bob Bowman in Florida, Carol Brule in California, Carl Person running for New York Attorney General. Very intriguing possibilities if he ever took it. Mark Wilson uh, for the Senate in Washington, and, of course, Cynthia McKinney. Uh, we need to have a 9-11 truth movement that has candidates, and that includes, for example, you can run for school board and say we'll never get funding for our school until we can end the 9-11 myth and all the wars that are predicated on it virtually any public office. I would urge people, go out and run for office. Be an independent, be a green, be a libertarian, be a Republican, be a Democrat. You can be anything you want. Go out and campaign for 9-11 truth. This movement that we have, has, I think it's the one institution in this country that bridges the, the absurd gap between progressives and leftists on the one side and um, conservatives, honest conservatives on the other. Naturally, a neocon is a neo-fascist. We don't mean that. Right, right. Honest conservatives are, are contributing as much and sometimes more than leftists to this movement. And we've got a place for communitarians, libertarians. Every one of them is going to have to adjust their prevailing ideology. But uh, I think it's, it's very likely the Democratic Party is on the verge of collapse. If they, if they win a House of Congress and try to continue these wars or widen them, they will collapse. The Republicans are going to collapse over issues of racism, xenophobia, and this illegal alien uh, agitation that they've fallen for, which splits them in the same way that the war splits the, the, um, the Democrats. We're due for a party realignment. It could be a party realignment into fascism. If you want to make it a positive party realignment towards some kind of acceptable alternative, 9-11 truth has got to be used to clear the decks so real politics can return. And again, support the candidates that I've mentioned, or better yet, run for office yourself. And mm -hmm. any any possible office is a good vehicle for 9-11 truth. You know, I live in Cynthia McKinney's district, and uh, I, 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 I guess I can call her a friend. I've known her for a long time. I've known her father. Uh, her father is kind of uh, uh, out of control, but, but you know, I like Cynthia. I've voted for her as many times as I could. I mean, in different elections, of course. Uh, but the attack that's being leveled in, uh, against Cynthia McKinney here in the 4th District, well, here in the state of Georgia, uh, and, and across the country, there's an awful lot of money coming in here. Her opponent, uh, in the she's in a runoff, and her opponent is just sort of a nondescript uh, former county commissioner named Hank Johnson, who is just absolutely nobody. I don't mean to be denigrating. Obviously, he's somebody, but I mean politically. So the effort against Cynthia, I would assume that that effort is also leveled against these other candidates. Well, again, we have only one road. Uh, it's either World War Three or 9-11 truth, and I don't see a third alternative. So that ought to make it pretty clear. We've got, we've got all these neocons and even warmonger Democrats telling us, well, there's got to be World War Three now because – because of 9-11, uh, 
why don't we just examine that premise? Since so much of the 9-11 story has been proven to be fictitious, a tissue of lies and so forth, can't we please reopen this case? And that's got to be done by citizens, people going into candidates' forums and confronting them. I know from various Green Party activists that they, there are a lot of Green candidates who would love to pick up on 9-11, but they need to hear it in their assemblies, right, in their candidates' nights, in their various election events that they organize. So the, the time right now is a time of tremendous activism, and people have to stop complaining, stop feeling sorry for themselves, stop being afraid, and get out and organize and mobilize, above all, for 9-11 truth, because without that, uh, there's no way to stop these conflagrations that we see all around us. You know, in, in one of Woody Allen's recent movies, he was asked about whether he's an optimist or a pessimist, and he said, well, I, I do see the glass half full, but it's poisoned. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just wondering, uh, uh, very quickly, we have 30 seconds, uh, how do you see the glass? Yeah, we have two sides of it, the pessimism of the intelligence, in other words, the situation is terrible, but the optimism of the will, and the optimism of the will, the optimism of the will is what's got to carry you out to do things, and and to uh, to fight evil and try to advance the cause of good. Well, uh, I, I think that's a good place to leave it. Webster, thanks a lot. I appreciate my uh, pleasure. Appreciate you being on the program, and uh, wa thank you. Watch your back, okay? <laughs> yes. Thank All you right, very much. sir. Take care. Take See care. you soon. Hmm. I don't think we've ever had, in, in, in the entire time I've been in radio, Kathy, I don't think I've ever had one person on for two and a half hours, uh, um, unless it was uh, uh, Mike Ruffert. But I don't, I don't think we even had him on for two and a half hours. I can't think of anyone. So to whatever extent you uh, um, um, tuned in tonight to either have uh, your suspicions confirmed one way or the other, or just out of curiosity, uh, what, what the purpose of having Webster Tarpley on tonight was to, pre uh, to pre obviously to present uh, probably the premier voice in the 9-11 Truth movement and uh, for you to listen to and make your own decision. Just make your own decision. Thanks uh, for participating tonight. I do appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow night, okay? Take care. Watch your back. I'm Mike Malloy. This is Air America Radio. Radio. Hi, I'm David Orrick. 
I've torture-tested my 8-pound Oric XL vacuum in the world's most grueling proving grounds, luxury hotels. Five years in a hotel is like 50 years in your home. Folks, you owe it to yourself to try the end product of my 40-year obsession, the 8-pound Oric XL. Try it risk-free for 30 days. Call 1-800-989-4200. 1-800-989-4200. If it's perfect for hotels, it's perfect for you. The walls close in, the air grows thin, an unspeakable crime unfolds as a new victim learns that it is possible to be scared to death. Faithless, the chilling new novel by Karen Slaughter, when Grant County Coroner Sarah Linton discovers a young woman's body, she vows to unmask a killer who preys on both body and soul. Read Faithless by best-selling author Karen Slaughter, now a Dell paperback.